Welcome everyone, uh, this is uh, the bonus commentary on episode 3, uh, The Holy Spirit, A Monster. Um, this is bonus, this is not going to be long, I, I know I tend to go, you know, 40 to 50 minutes on some of the, on my episodes, but this is something I really need to just get it out, because I, if, I, if I don't get it out, I'm not going to write it down, and then it's, then it's gone. Uh, so, uh, in uh, episode three, we talked about um, how the Holy Spirit, um, you know, can be likened to a monster uh, in regards to how I see, you know, how monsters are, are viewed uh, or what the monster's roles are in a lot of, you know, horror movies and things like that, um, or even sci-fi movies. Um, and how that, how the Holy Spirit, you know, changes a person, reveals to a person, uh, truths that they're not ready for. And, you know, and that's what happens whenever someone sees the monster or the disbeliever and see the monster in the movie. So here are five movies that I suggest, uh, if you have not seen, and most likely you've already seen these. Uh, but look at them a little bit more uh, that involve monsters that change people profoundly. Okay. Uh, actually, one's a TV show or a Netflix series. Um, and then uh, I'll finish it with uh, a, some quick scripture uh, from the book of Revelation. All right. So uh, first monster uh, that uh, really changes um you know, everyone in the film, and 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 that I'm really avoiding here and trying to get really deep with why the movie was made and who, what they were thinking and things like that. Because I I can I I, I want to do that, um, but that'd be a whole episode. So I'll just get to it. Uh, so uh, twenty, uh, I want to say twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen's Shin Godzilla. Um, this Godzilla movie, this Godzilla movie, um, this Shin Godzilla movie, oh, rather, uh, this film came out of nowhere, like, it was revealed that, you know, this, this, uh, Godzilla movie, um, very slowly, Japan started releasing, little tidbits of information that a lot of people didn't believe was true because it had been already, what, 12, 13 years since the last one? Anyways, Shin Godzilla, you know, maybe Godzilla's not a cup of tea for a lot of people, but this movie really takes a look at what if the monster resurfaced today? Um... What would it what would it do? You know, how would it how would that look like with today's technology? Um, you know, not uh, in in contrast to the 1954 original Godzilla film, you know, what would Godzilla be like today? What would he do? Um, what would he reflect in today's society of what's happening? So the original film was a commentary on the A-bomb that killed so many people in Asia. Um, this movie 
is it attributes that you know somehow Godzilla's made from um, you know thermonuclear weapons a little bit. They mention that, but they they just really get to the point. How do we deal with something that's nuclear and living? I mean, uh, and the government in this film is shown to see to be seen as I don't want to say buffoons um, because that would be way too easy, but too slow to act, um, not all together and on on the same page. All the politics appear. Um, that divided them in the first place. Um, um, you see the the beauty of how they run certain things as a hierarchy in their government. Like you see that certain things have to go to certain people before they can move on to the next person. I I don't know that. I guess I'm just, I just think that's a good way of order. But in this situation, it actually slows everything down because of what. Godzilla is doing and at the rate he's going and there's like different stages of Godzilla like there's three waves of the character I mean you gotta I, I you gotta see this I saw it opening night it was out for uh one night only from Japan in the theaters October 2016 and me and Augie went Augie was four and we went opening night and when Godzilla did his thing we were both clapping. I, I mean, he's a huge Godzilla fan. Um, but yeah, this movie did what the 2014 movie did not do. The American version of Godzilla with Aaron Johnson and Brian Cranston. Uh, this movie really, um, it, it showed Godzilla in a way that the young people of uh, you know Tokyo, of, of the whole country of Japan... Um, the young people who worked for the government, they were the saviors of the, of the movie. Um, they're the ones that have to figure out what today's standards and they have to think outside the box. I mean, everything that was in the box got thrown out the window. And there's even a scene where they say, we need, we need nerds. We need people who can think outside the box. People who, you know, we need those outcasts. And they actually hired out of these, you know, not you know, nerds out of their living rooms, but they, they get these guys who work for the government who, you know, are considered, you know, the geekiest of them. And they all, they are the ones that implement the craziest strategies to stop Godzilla. Uh, in other words, this monster shows that country that sometimes, uh, certain ways are not going to work and you have to be open-minded if you're going to stop this threat. Um, so that that's that's uh, that's that's my first. Um, that's not the number one, but that's my first monster. Um, my second one. My second monster. Uh, it would have to be that I mentioned. It would probably have to be um, out of the Stranger Things series. I know this is you know Stranger Things is so popular and yet so burned out because so many people, you know, like it. So, you know, we only get excited when we see something new about it, you know. Um, But I would have to say that, you know, my favorite character in the whole show is Steve Harrington. Um, And I really can't explain why, 
but I think I can t- sometimes feel like him, even though he's a teenager and I'm what 42. Um, it sounds weird, but I, I I really get that whole thing of how I felt like you know not knowing what to do um, in you know when he has to become a responsible person, you know in in, in the show. But before he has to make that decision, um, I don't relate with him being a bully or being the jerk he is in the beginning. So I did not connect with this guy at all. Uh, I did not like him. They set him up to be just like those 80s, you know, um, you know, douchebags. And and I didn't feel for him. I thought he was just, you know, he they did they they did it right. I mean, he did the role so perfect he didn't look tough to me but he was supposed to be tough and whatever and then comes uh the scene where jonathan and nancy are trying to trap the demogorgon and he's trying to make up with nancy but finds jonathan in there and i'm laughing at him like dude this is such a wrong time for you you know this is season one where he's he's i'm like dude just go like I was yelling at the TV get out like he was in the way for me of that moment of that uh, of that episode because I was so invested and I'm like what is he doing there you know I'm like I just leave man and he's knocking on the door and then he opens it and walks in and he's questioning them in this huge moment I'm like I just couldn't stand him and they had me and then when the Demogorgon does appear of course, he runs out the door and he drops the keys. And I'm like, oh, why? Why do you even? Sh- I'm, I'm totally judging, McJudging this dude, right? And when they're about to get, you know, eaten by the Demogorgon or whatever it's going to do to them, they did an amazing thing with his character where he not only comes back as a different character um, to save Nancy and Jonathan. But everything that they alluded to with his character being a jock, um, being able to fight, all of that comes to the forefront when he starts swinging that bat with those nails. I mean, you see a guy tearing this monster up. You see a guy who changes into someone courageous, someone whose natural talent, athleticism is shown uh, and needed. You know, like there's a lot of movies where we want to see the guy, you know, take on the monster who can do it. And that was awesome to me. Um, so if there's anyone I would like to meet at a con, it would be Steve Arrington. Um, uh, and of course, Hopper. Um, but I would love to meet him. Uh, I just I just really like the character a lot, especially after all this happens in season two and three. You know, he's he's trying to find his place and. You know, and I, and I, I don't, and I, I think I take it back. I don't mean I, I walk around. Well, I'm not gonna lie because I, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and try to lie to you and say that I, I know everything and I'm, and I've got my life figured out. That, so I think I do relate with him. I do, you know, what he has to do, what he has to, you know, to, you know, you know, what, what does he do next after Nancy? You know, what does he do? He works at an ice cream shop. Anyways, this character changes in different ways, just like all the characters. But I think the Demogorgon really does a good job of changing him. And I should just add to that that the Demogorgon and all the monsters on Stranger Things creates amazing character arcs. All right, so that's that monster. Uh, next monster, um, I would have to say... Uh, Halloween 2018. Um, what Michael does, 
you know, that's that's dumb when you start calling him Michael, like, you know, what Michael Myers does in this movie, um, you know, it's, 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 it's to me second to Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is a beast in this movie. I mean, even the trailer when it came out, her pumping that 12 gauge and taking shots, uh, 40 years later, she's not the noble virgin. She's like this, um, you know, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, Fury Rosa type character. She's got the guns. She's got mannequins in her yard to shoot, you know, target practice with. I mean, she's, I mean, I just love what they decided to do with a person after they encountered, you know, the shape, which is Michael Myers' original, you know, name. Um, in the original movie, they call him the shape. Uh, outside, I don't think they say it in the movie, but that's what they refer to him. But that was just awesome to just walk into this um, theater with, with my wife. She knowing how I'm excited I was for this. Um, and it was sold out. I mean, and just to sit down and hear the music, but see that she is not a punk. Oh man. Uh, and the, the scene where Michael throws her over the roof or the, or the balcony and she falls on the ground, just like he did in part one. And then when he goes to check, uh, if you know where she's at later on or something, or I don't know what it was, she's gone. Oh, dude, I was, I, I mean, I, I got the crowd. I got the theater to clap. I was like, yeah, how do you like that? So anyways, um, and then they don't stop there. Then we see the conversions of, of the daughters, uh, the, the generation of the, of the, um, the strode girls. Um, oh, they all like in their moment when it's time to face Michael, they are just so awesome. Um, by the way, quick note in any movie, when you, when a movie starts off in a vast expanse, let's say cinema, um, you know, when, when the DP and the director decide that the movie starts out in this town or universe or world, but your last act is involved in a very encroached space, I'm thinking Star Wars, I'm thinking, the you know, the, 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 the extra uh, basement, whatever she did in, in Halloween, when your movie involves a situation where everyone's, you know, right there in that little tight spot and they got to figure out how to survive this, uh, that's great uh, storytelling. And for the daughters to turn around and become the warriors that they were always trained to be, or her, her old, her you know, her, her only daughter, I mean, her granddaughter, um, her her daughter takes that shot, you know, and uh, great movie. All right, uh, next movie, uh, you know, I mean, those are my three. There's two more. Um, I would have to say The Joker and The Dark Knight. Sorry. I, I mean, this. I know it gets old coming from me. Um, but The Joker and The Dark Knight is, uh, he says it himself. You see, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. Um, without getting off on any tangent here, um, this villain, changes an entire city 
and we see the effects of what he did in the next movie. Um, and that is um, unprecedented, what he does to not only the city, but what he's doing um, to Batman, to Bruce Wayne, how, how he leaves Bruce Wayne, um, how he comes to realize that he's not, you know, more and more, he's never going to be this, this white knight. And, um, and then he comes out and, uh, at the end, he's the bad guy. This villain is so good at what he does. Our hero is the bad guy in the end. He makes him real. He makes Bruce Wayne realize that everything they work for, they in their own way are no better. Uh, what they had to do to get to this point, um, you know, the Joker reflects that on them. He mirrors that. Batman is as violent as the Joker. His means are as violent as the Joker. Um, Dent kills cops. Um, and the movie ends on a lie. And that, for me, is just... That's, that's diabolical. The entire infrastructure to the core, the relationship with Wayne and Gordon... Uh, and Dent, all that, all of that. Rachel's got, oh man. So that's, you know, that's my fourth monster. Uh, my last monster would have, would have to be, my last monster would have to be, um, it would have to be uh, the devil in The Exorcist. Um, this monster, um, it's not so much that this monster is, uh, you know, not so much he just that he reveals himself and they, oh, it's the devil. It's what the priest says. Um, um, the exorcist says to Father Karras, um, and what this um, possessed little girl does to Father Karras because he is the faithless one. He is the skeptical one, the whole movie. Um, he's dealing with his own problems. He doesn't really believe this is happening. And when I read the novel, I actually got really emotional because you spend all this time reading the novel and, and you're and you're wondering, you know, when is Karis going to get it? You know, like when you read the novel, it, it's completely immersed in how he's thinking and what he's doing um, and why he doesn't believe or what he's struggling with with the church. And then it gets to that moment when the exorcist shows up and Karis, Father Karis, um, wants to explain all the medical information in the background, uh, all the medical, all the medical background um, stuff that uh, he thinks is going to help the case. And in the novel, he just turns around, the exorcist turns around and tells him, why do I need this? Let's get ready. And I just like, I just feel like Sometimes I'm drowning in trying to tell people, uh, you know, that there are things that are happening and that have happened and that sometimes we just need to get with it. And, and, so, and I just get really stifled trying to explain that. And he just says, let's get to work. And after they do that first round or that second round with the devil, Kara, and Father Karras asks why 
why is this happening? And I think what he says to him is um, awesome. He says to him, I think the devil, it does this, especially through this little girl, into trying to show us sides of us that don't deserve God's love. Um, the ugly side of us, the bestial side of us. And to try to convince us that God could never love beasts like us, you know, monsters like us. Uh, that is, you know, very poignant part of that original film. Uh, so, um, those are the five monsters in my bonus episode that really have a lot to do, um, with that last episode. And I would like to leave you with some quick scripture here that really brings up some images of, you know, biblically that are really crazy. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Um, it's in Revelation. Um, Revelations chapter 9 and um, the angels are allowed to open um, to blow the trumpets and here's some of the things that happen when those trumpets are blown um, and uh, let's see here um, okay in appearance uh, locusts appeared and the locusts were like horses arrayed for battle and on their heads were what looked like the crowns of gold and these locusts, were, uh, their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had scales, and they had iron breastplates, and they had wings. And it was like the noise of many chariots and horses rushing into battle. They also had tails like scorpions and stings. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that the Holy Spirit reveals to John that this this will happen now people are going to contend you know this is this is all imagery even the you know, theologians are going to say well these are just symbols okay all right fine but it's in the bible in a way that is super you know i would love to see that in a movie and ultimately in revelation chapter 12 uh we hear the biggest description um and that is uh, a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. This chapter 12, verse 1 um, through 12. And on her head a crown of 12 stars, she was with child, and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. And another portent appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems upon his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child, and he might devour her child when she brought it forth. She brought forth a male child once to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she was placed for God in which to be nourished for 1,260 days. So we hear this mention of a dragon. Um, and that dragon... Uh, Theologically, is the devil, um, the the serpent in the garden. Uh, it wasn't a snake, you know. It was a creature with arms and legs uh, that got its arms and legs removed. But it was a it was a form of a small, like a like a, a serpent like creature. In and what is originally to be a serpent was like a dragon. Uh, we all think snake, of course, but so my point is this: is that you know God is revealing to John that monsters and the monster the, the devil himself in the end times will appear will show his face um uh, we will see things that you can never imagine 
um, that still I don't think any movies have been able to do because maybe people don't want to you know believe that that could ever happen. But I just know that um, you know with what's going on right now, um, you know the coronavirus monster is really pulling out the best at a lot of people, and maybe we're seeing the worst in some other people, but. I really think that that last episode has something to say about monsters, and I thank you for joining me on this, you know, next uh, on this little bonus episode. And uh, may God be with you, and uh, you know, there be monsters. All right, God bless.